Let's go to the Word. Matter of fact, we're going to go to the last book of the Word this morning. Hallelujah. It's called Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Anybody ever heard of Jesus? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You better have if you're here this morning, the Lord and Savior, Son of God, the great and the mighty, the anointed one. Thankful yes. again. I can't get thankful out enough this morning because uh, that's what we need to be. We could have been left without. Yeah. Could have been arranged where we were just no longer thought of. Now that's the way God loves mankind. He loves mankind so much, the mankind that He created, loved them so much that He sent His best to the rescue. Amen. His best. His Son. Now, we're here on the verge of what we know as Memorial Day. It's a calendar date, and that actually began about 1868, shortly after the Civil War, uh, recognizing those who had given their blood, their lives, I guess you could say their best, uh, for the cause of freedom. And since then, we know that our nation's been involved in multiple times were uh, not here but across the waters and across the way and in foreign lands and jungles and deserts and frigid areas and all the other mix uh, those of our nation have been called to protect the freedom or at least fight for the freedom of many that you and I have never known and never will um, so we're here on this verge of and uh I want to say a prayer this morning before we go any further in honor and prayer for those families that whether it be a, a long ago occurrence or a long ago war somewhere where their loved ones perished, whether it be a recent one, or whether it be a stateside occurrence. Um, and I want us to appreciate, to respect, to honor those who gave their ultimate we could be here today Amen. like we are here today. Amen. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we are grateful. We're thankful. Thank you for those that for many, many generations, hundreds of years by now, have took up the cause. They took themselves to the cause voluntarily freely so. And Lord, they have shed their blood, given of their lives, and all those lives have families. We pray for those today. We pray, God, even though these occurrences were long ago, even though they might have been very recent, all in between, Lord, we still pray for every family, every mother, every father, every brother, every sister, every relative, every friend and acquaintance of these that gave their ultimate sacrifice, Lord, for this country. I pray for these families today and I ask you to grant them peace. I ask you to give them comfort, strength, and help. I pray for this nation today that it understands and realizes that freedom is not free. It has a cost. A huge cost. Cost of lives and many lives sometimes multitudes of lives. That there are people who have fought and died for what we have today and the, the rights that we so declare and even though so abused today. I ask you, God, give us an understanding and a realization that there was a cost to what we have and we need to understand it. I pray, God, for those in our armed forces today that are still fighting the battles, that are still departed from families and distant from them. I pray for these families today, Lord, that are without their loved ones, maybe not in death, but in distance. And I ask you to grant them that same strength and comfort and that help that only you can give. And we declare today as a church, a body of believers, right here this morning, we're grateful, God. We're thankful. We thank you for them. We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, who went to battle for us, who fought the fight for us against evil and darkness, and he took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. 
and he bore them and he bled on the cross of Calvary and he gave up his life there and he died as a sacrifice for our sins. And you raised him on the third day afterwards yes. in resurrection yes. power. And you gave us the promise of eternal life in yes. heaven with you. God, that is doing something awesome and yes. great. And we are yes. appreciative Hallelujah. and thankful and grateful yes. this morning. Bless our people, I pray. Bless our nation. Bless our armed forces and the many families again, Lord, that have suffered the losses through the years of our history. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Bible is full in numerous places. It might not say it in the particular term I'm about to use, but it's it's very obvious if you simply look and research a little bit. It speaks many times of opportunities. Sometimes it's singular, opportunity. Many times plural, opportunities. And we're all given both. On individual occasions, we're given an opportunity. Sometimes in a period of time, we're given multiple opportunities. I look at opportunity as a time to take advantage of that moment in time, to do something with the opportunity that we've been given. We do that today. We took the opportunity that we've been given to arrive at a place called a church to worship someone we know as God Almighty and Jesus Christ, His Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. That's an awesome privilege. I don't know Amen. sometimes if we get it or not of just how awesome that is. But we're given opportunity in many of them. And in saying that today, uh, we're given as I mentioned Memorial Day a moment ago and, and we prayed and you joined me and again thank you for that but we're given opportunity to remember to remember and in a way that's what we just did kind of sort of but I want to tell you, you you talk of families that have lost loved ones in wartime and such they don't forget that. They remember all the time. And I'm not lightening the sacrifice of the soldiers and the sailors and the airmen and, and the cavalrymen and all that pre even preceded the modern warfare instruments. And I could talk about that all day. But whatever means they might have had. And I honor them and I respect them today and all that have given again their ultimate for the sake and the freedom of this country that we're so privileged to be part of citizens of that doesn't leave out the fact that we are under attack today uh, on the own soil that we much time to walk on and we need to be aware of that as well but the opportunities that we have as Christians And speaking of those this morning, I want to ask you some questions, and I do this often, and I've spoke this often. I'm going to ask you some questions. You've been here. You've heard me ask you questions. <laughs> and I do that because, first of all, I believe and I sense the Holy Spirit prompts me to ask you questions because questions have a way of arousing the Spirit. When you are asked to respond by a question mark that does something within you that may be just a mere statement with a period or even with an exclamation, it might not have the same effect of asking you a question. <coughs> Questions are, and they might seem unsituated or unattached from memorial or remembering, but they really tie directly to it with a great big knot. So here they are. Where are you going? Where are you at? Where have you been? 
maybe I could ask it better this way. Where have you been that you're not at now? Spiritually speaking. Where have you been that you're not at now? I told Brother Tanner earlier, said, Ben, you plowed all over. You got this message ready this morning. Sunday school, he was plowing. He was unearthing the soil, preparing it for uh, seeding and hopefully sprouting and growth and harvest. The Word is for that. Some plow, some sow, some seed, some harvest. We see the Bible many times expressing agricultural terms because we can probably, if you have any sense at all about plants and agriculture, well, it kind of seems to strike a note with us that we can kind of sort of at least understand what's being said. So on those questions that I asked this morning and hope that you take note of them and, and you're already answering yourselves or maybe at least you will after you leave here or before you leave here and that, that's always the hope that you answer these questions before you leave here where you can do something about it while you're here. We can all do something about our situation while we're here. If we let it become unfresh we might not make that decision. If we get out these doors this morning the world's awaiting out there and it has a terrible effect on how it depresses or suppresses or oppresses spiritual things. So this is the place that's been said already. This is the house of God. This is the spiritual place. This is the holy place. Even though it is a building, it has the presence of God here that can touch and stir and impact you and hopefully convict you to make the decisions and realize the opportunities that you have, especially the one that you have here today. In the book of Revelations, there's messages to several churches in the beginning of John's writing. And John's writing because he has been taken to a spiritual place where he has encountered a spiritual vision that has been given to him that is representative of the past, the present, and the future all at once. Now that's mind-boggling enough for us to think about it. But he, he was very effective with the help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the inspirations of the Holy Spirit to record, and he gave us the book of Revelations. Revelation. He said revelation. You don't need more than one, right? Jesus, revelation, that's it. You don't get any more. That's it. That's the gospel. But here in this book, Jesus began, uh, in John's vision, Jesus, in, in recording the words that he did of Jesus speaking, let me put it that way. Uh, he's talking about here in chapter number 2, and it's the very first church that he addresses in along the course of the several churches that he talks to and that he expresses his commendation to or his fault to or whatever, many times we might say, well, that was the first one, so it was a long time ago, so that really doesn't matter anymore. Well, don't take that out of structure because he speaks to these various churches with various issues. And they directly relate to the churches of today. This is an ancient stuff that you put on a bookshelf in the History Channel somewhere. This is past, present, and future. Amen. The words that John records that Jesus speaks to these churches are significant. They're supposed to be guiding, instructive, eye-opening, soul-wrenching, if you will heart-stirring. And it <clears throat> sidestepped here for a moment. It's increasingly alarming to me as to how callous to the Word of God society is becoming. Yes. Including some of the church. Yes. I can't preach today unless I preach to the church. Right. 
I can't be effective unless I preach to the church. It's not real likely this world out here is going to listen to anything I've got to say. There might be an exception, and there are. Sinners get saved. Amen. But I'm sad to say, in modern times, decreasingly so. There's a reason for that. I preach, I minister to the church because that's what, if you understand the Bible correctly, that's the same thing the disciples and the apostles did. They traveled the world, at least their world. They ministered and they preached and they evangelized. Mission work, whatever you want to call it. But most of their instructions and their preaching was guess to who? The church. The believers. A lot of times the believers, it got way out of line. And their attempts to bring them back. I'm going to tell you right now, some don't like that. Leave me alone. Let me do what I want to do. Let me believe how I want to believe. If your belief and you're doing what you want to do is out of line with the Word of God, I'm going to tell you what you're doing. You're messing up real bad. The Word draws us, first of all, to a reverence for God, a respect for God, the Creator. I, I don't think a lot of people know they wouldn't be here without a Creator. Right. Amen. A thankfulness for Jesus Christ and the cross. Amen. An extreme thankfulness. An appreciation for the Holy Spirit. Yes. Amen. Holy Spirit ever messed with your conscience? Mm -hmm. Kind of poked you a little bit? Sometimes kind of sharp? What a comforter, huh? Let's talk about those questions, though. Let's go back to the scriptures here. The word, or let me start with verse 1, because and I understand that we've been here before. You're going to recognize this immediately, chapter 2, verse 1, but you cannot expound the word of God enough. You, you can't attempt to drive it home enough. To get the message where the message needs to go to the people it needs to go to, you can't do that enough. So here we are again, but this, this I believe, is so representative of the times that we're living in and so representative of the condition of the church that we're living in and the times that we're living in. At least some of it. And Paul's talking to, or, or not Paul, but John is writing about Jesus' words to the church at Ephesus. And this is what he says. He says in verse 1, he said, And to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. Write. That means more than just scribbling down on a piece of paper and tossing it away when it don't fit very good. Or trashing it when it's uh, offensive to your lifestyle. He said, write. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Any doubt who might be talking here about right now? Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. This is a heavenly vision. An extremely spiritual vision. This is a holy event. Okay? This is God encounter. John wasn't dreaming here. He was seeing what God had allowed him to see so he could write. To guess who? Church. 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 Verse 2, he says, I know thy works and thy labor. I'm aware. I'm aware because of seed. I'm aware because I hear. I know, he said. And thy patience. Well, that sounds pretty good so far. God's recognizing something here. He kind of said, boy, we're getting some pats on the back. Look at what the Lord's saying about us. 
and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. We've been talking about evil, haven't we? If you've been here on Wednesday night, we've been talking about evil. How you can't bear them. And that's the way we should be. The Bible tells us to hate sin. It tells us to hate evil. It don't tell us to hate the people doing it, but it tells us to hate evil and to hate sin. Because evil is destructive. E evil has a means and a way of uh, dismantling spiritual things. That's its mission. That's its device. And he's saying here to this church, commending them actually, you can't stand them that bear evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars. Now that takes a little time and a little effort and a little listening and a little research to identify with somebody that's a false prophet and teaching incorrectly, falsely, with great error. So here's what we got so far. Now this church ought to be pumped up pretty good about right now. Boy, we've been doing everything right. Look at all we are. Look at what we've done. Look at who we are. But Jesus has more to say. goes on in verse 3 and he says and has borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted or given up. <coughs> Dresses a little more. You hadn't given up. That's a huge statement. I'm going to tell you we're living in a day where there's a lot of people giving up. Come on. And I ain't talking worldly people. I'm talking about church people. They're giving up. The Bible says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. To the end shall be saved. But he's commending them still. But verse 4, he kind of changes direction. I've told you all these that you're doing. I've observed you. I've listened to you. I've watched you and all your formality, your rituals. And that's what it's become. Now, they were going through religious motions. They were doing churchy things. And that's an easy trap to fall into. So we can take away from that, well, maybe there wasn't so much commending going on as we thought there was. Even though they showed up, they'd done the churchy things, had an appearance of holiness, an appearance of holiness, it's not necessarily godliness. Because appearance being the key. You can appear to be anything. You can appear to be something as a whole or you can appear to be something as an individual. And how many times have you heard me say everything starts with individuals you talk in church? The church starts with individuals. It's made up of individuals. The if you want to say, and this is just lack of a better word, if you want to talk about reputation of a church, the reputation of a church comes from the people that go there. It's not the building. Verse 4, he said, nevertheless. That's a big word. Nevertheless. I have somewhat against thee. Now, notice that somewhat there is in italics, which means that word was added by interpreters when they wrote the King James in 1611. Now, if you take that word out, it says, nevertheless, I have against thee. 
somewhat inserted for clarity and for explanatory means. But it's not meant to be taken lightly. Something. I have something against you. That you need to take note of. That you need to be aware of. This is God speaking. Sometimes you find yourself wishing God would just speak out loud that it rattled the earth to try to get some of this nonsense attention. I do. Speak, God! Oh, don't worry. He's going to one of these days. He's going to speak real loud one of these days. And it's going to be more than earth-shaking. That's the reason the Bible tries to get us in line before that happens. Now, by the way, this, this message is supposed to be encouraging today. Don't take it as, as a whipping beat. This is supposed to be eye-opening. It's supposed to be making us aware. It's supposed to be bringing us to the point where we can realize some things. We can go through religious motions. God knows he knew here when John recorded this, he knows today there's religious motions going on. People are so tangled up, they don't know the difference between emotionalism and spirituality. That's right. Anybody can pump you up into emotionalism. It doesn't take a lot of effort. But the Word of God is what brings you to spirituality and greater spirituality. It's what God has to say. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, and then he tells them why. Because thou hast left thy first love. We're talking church. We're talking a body of believers. We're talking an assembly of folks. An established religious institution. He said, you've done all these religious things. And I've watched. But the problem you've got is you've left your first love. I would say that's a pretty serious problem. And I'd say that's a more than pretty serious problem for the church of today. See, because there's drastic consequences when you leave your first love, being Jesus. There can be nobody other than Jesus as your first love. Now, I'm not saying you can't have first, second, third, fourth, 15, 20, 30, 50 loves, and that's prevalent today. People are more in love with things than they are with God and proud to be so. So proud you can't turn them around. But again, God's talking to the church. And don't think for a minute that church folks aren't right in the mix of what I'm talking about. They're too wound in the world. Too networked into the thing that's moving out here at such a high speed that if they don't stay networked, they're going to miss out on something. You can have the whole thing. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes, hallelujah. You've left your first love. That, we need to identify with that. And we need to identify with it because I've said before, we're, we're our own worst enemies. Amen. We're the last ones that want to admit that we're wrong. This flesh nature does not want to tell itself that I'm wrong. It don't even want to tell itself, evidently by the preceding scriptures, that I've got a problem when I look so spiritual. Dressed up to the max. Doing things that are biblical. We're supposed to worship, right? Supposed to assemble, right? The Bible tells us. Forsake not the assembling of the brethren. They were doing this. 
But isn't it amazing? It's amazing that somehow people have forgotten that God sees everything and he takes note of everything and he pays attention to everything. You can't shove it under the rug. You can't put fancy clothes on and hide what's underneath you. You can't say magic words and expect abracadabra and something to pop out of them when it comes to God things. Things come from God when we honor God. Things come from God when we love the Lord like we're supposed to love the Lord. And how is that? With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That ties directly to these scriptures. You've left your first love. Whom you're supposed to love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That pretty much says with all you got. Mm. He said, that's what I got against you. Do you know God always has a remedy? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He's always got a remedy. He has a remedy yeah. for your sin this morning. Hallelujah. Yes. Don't sit here telling me that everybody in here is sinless. Because I know we're not because I'm not. But thank God we've got a resource to go to. Yes. wonderful Savior and Lord to yes. us that when we do sin we got a place to go. Hallelujah. And we go there I want to say this carefully we go there much of the time if not all the time if you do it sincerely we go there because we love God enough that we want to change ourselves to please Him. Amen. It's not just a fancy something you say. It's not just a five second, bless me Lord. It's something called a relationship with God because you love Him because He loved you first. He left you first love. Then He says in verse 5, and here's where I want to pound on Remember. Remember. What in the world does remember mean, at least biblically? What does it mean? It's speaking of bring back to mind. Where you came from. Bring back to mind. Well, if you gotta remember something, that kind of tells me you forgot something. Yep. Because if you hadn't forgot it, you wouldn't need to be remembering it. Amen. So if you hadn't forgot your first love, you wouldn't be rem having to remember your first love. Amen. So we got a much larger problem here than what many might pull out of these scriptures. Because if your love is gone, I'm going to tell you what else is gone. Your relationship with God is gone. I don't care what religious motions you might be going through. Hmm. Remember. Remember. Get it back intact. What's intact? Shored up. In place. Not just in your mind, but see, remember has probably more to do with the heart than it does the mind. And many times when we see the word remember, we just connect it to the mind. No, this is spiritual. So you got to connect it to the heart, to the soul, to the spirit, yeah. to your whole makeup. Yeah. you got to remember. Amen. Remember. It, in a way, is speaking of bringing something back that has grown clouded and vague. And I'm going to tell you what the clouder, and I know this isn't a word, but the beggar is. <laughs> it's this world. Yeah. It'll cloud you up. It'll cloud your vision of God. It'll make vague your relationship with the Lord. And you can think all the time that you're doing exactly right. That's the problem with some powers that be right now. They think they are doing exactly right when they're headed as straight to hell as they can possibly go. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they're delusional. We've been given a straight course. It's right here before me. I'm preaching out of it. A straight course. Not a wobbly one. Not an in and out one. Straight one. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. From where we fallen? I thought we were doing good. Thought we were high and mighty. Fallen tells me something's happened. Usually falls hurt. Now I know this isn't speaking of a physical fall, but it's symbolic of one. Again, sometimes we can't really relate to something unless we relate it to something else and kind of identify with what it is God's trying to say to us. So we fall and there's some pretty extreme results that's occurred because we fail, right? So, what is he saying? Remember from where you've fallen. What he's talking about is go back to the place where you was. Take a journey, a mental journey, a heart journey, a soul journey, a spirit journey, an entire make. Take a journey and go back where you was. Where it was higher. Where you're on a greater spiritual plateau. Where you were arm in arm with God. Where were you not just doing religious things and, and talking in a religious tone or acting religious. You had a relationship. Go back. Remember. Remember what it cost. Remember who died and bled. I'm going to tell you. I'm saying things this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Things that the church has forgot a lot about. They don't remember it anymore. They just have in social clubs and fellowships and noise. You know what's been preached around here for months? Basic fundamentals of Christianity. Yeah. Loving God. Yeah. Believing in Jesus. The work of the cross. You heard me say it not long ago. He didn't just bleed and die there. He carried the weight of the sins of the world on his shoulders when he did. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And since then. My, what a weight that must have been. Yeah. Tremendous. Only he's the only one that could have done it. You and I would have been squashed like a bug if we'd even tried. Couldn't have held up under. We couldn't have held up under our own sins. That's why He had to come to it. Remember. Remember from where you've fallen. Remember from where you've gotten away from. Remember from where you've fallen out. There's more ways to fall than one. amazing about spiritual falling is you can fall without being at any elevated height at all. Yeah. Laxness. Lackadaisical. Non-concerned. Complacent. Need I go on? I don't think so. And repent. Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent. You know what repenting is? And I know we kind of know whether it's turning around, it's going opposite direction, what she's going. But what this means right here, and there's a lot of definition to it, what this means is you don't blame anybody else but yourself. Oh, could our society take a lesson on that? Amen. 
It's always somebody else's fault. Come on. From 500 years ago, it's your fault because they did it then. Or this or that. It can never be my fault. This is calling us to a full recognition. Yes, it can. And it's personal and individual repentance when you repent. Nobody else repents for you. They can't. It's a wonderful thing. It's not something we should be frowning about. You know why? Because God's given us the ability to do that. We shouldn't take it grimacing or, 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 or gnashing our teeth. Oh my God, I've got to repent. God said, I'm offering you this. This is the means that I can accept you back. Take the brunt. I did it, Lord. Oh, that's hard to say. It's my fault. That's even harder. We want to. See the, you see the avenue here he's, he's speaking of? Realize first, remember from where you've fallen. Right. Now repent also means go all the way back, backtrack. Now I know we don't hang our past out and let it haunt us. That's not what this is talking about. If you backtrack, you've got to walk backwards. Where are we going? Where are we going? Where we're going back to that place where we've been where something happened. Man. where something began to happen and it left us different than what we once were Amen. it left the church different than what it was meant to be because it took another path it took another trail it began to veer off it began to deviate come on. and now it finds itself in this religious condition uh-huh. come on. of just going through motions God never called us to go through motions he called us to go to the foot of a cross yeah. and realize again who hung on it and why he hung there and where he came from uh-huh. to allow us to have what we have and take us to high places in the Lord to give us spiritual heights in relationship and ever increasing spiritual heights. You may be here this morning, you're not even on the first rung of the ladder yet. You may have never even took the first step to get on the first rung of the ladder. Come on. But I'll promise you this, if you do, God will take you places. Amen. Amen. Run the run. Further places. But this is talking about those that have fallen. And he tells them, repent. If you've fallen this morning, just repent. Just admit, God, I'm admitting it. I'm confessing. I'm guilty. I'm the criminal. He made Jesus the criminal for us, but He still wants us to hear say, I am one. A guilty criminal. I confess. Let your heart talk. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Backtrack. Go to that place where it happened. And realize that this is it right here. You, you got, folks. You got to spend some time at it. We're again, we're in this too much of a do it, God, do it, God, do it for me, God, do it for me, God. God is not going to repent for you. No. He's not going to repent for anybody. He's calling us to be the ones that repent. It's, it's all mixed up. You said it well this morning. It's all mixed up. You said it. If I don't like the way it is, then change it. I want to change it to fit my lifestyle. I want to change God to fit what I want. No. We take this and we change ourselves to fit what God wants. Amen. And God yeah. wants us to love Him more than anything. Yes. And when that falls out of order and falls out of line or falls away, then we can pretty much rest assured that we're in a condition that we don't need to be in. However religious we look. Repent. And do the first works. Do the first works. Uh, come on. Those 
where you first started, those where it was so good, those where you met me face to face, those where you had that relationship with me. Those where you could talk to me and you knew you were talking to me because my presence was so powerful. Holy place? Holy place is where the presence of the Lord is, where the presence of the grace of Jesus Christ is, where the presence of the Holy Spirit is. That's a holy place. And these scriptures right here, they identify and they tell us where Jesus Christ is removed and where the Holy Spirit is, is vacated, there's a presence that takes up our right. It's called a presence of the displeasure of God. Yes. And that's what we're seeing right here. And that can be in an individual life or that can be in a corporate church, small or large. Do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly. Now that sounds like that would be such an earth-shattering event that everybody would pay attention and take note of the thunder created. There's no thunder created here. He said, I'll, he said, I'll come quickly. He didn't say, I'll come loudly. What a response. If there's no need of me anymore, I'll remove myself. If there's no love for me anymore, I'm gone. That might sound harsh. Where you at? Where you going? Where you been? Where have you been that you're not right now? Finish up. <clears throat> or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. That's right. Candlestick out of his place. Many see this, and this can get you real tangled up in religious philosophies and doctrines and all that and actually get you into arguments if you don't watch it. But many actually do see these scriptures as a removal of the grace of God from an individual. Now, whatever your belief is, I'm not arguing that point. I'm saying what I said to make a point. What if it is? If love's gone, you kind of, kind of associate this with the lamps of the ten virgins spoken of in, in Matthew. The bridegroom came at midnight. Five of them had oil in their lamps. Five of them didn't. You could kind of, let me say this, and I'm not saying this is exactly correct. It's just thought. What if the five that didn't have any oil, what if that oil was a love for God? Love for the bridegroom. Maybe that's why the other five said, uh-uh, you're not getting mine. You've had plenty of opportunity to fill your own. Come on. Yeah. See, nobody else could take our love for God anyway. It wouldn't work. Yeah. you got to have your own. Yeah. you got to have your own. Do you this morning, I'm going to close right here. Do you? Do you have a love for God or, or is it just kind of got wasted away? Is it? Is, are you distant? Do you no longer have a realization or recognition of what of what that relationship with God's even about? Have you allowed things? Folks, listen to me. Things get in the way more than anything else. Things take the place of God. We relate things to our spirituality. The more I can have, the more spiritual I am. I, I, I no, nah, doesn't even doesn't connect. The more you have of God is what makes you spiritual. The more love you have for God is what takes you to higher heights, greater places. And as you grow in that love towards heaven, 
you don't have to worry about falling. Amen. No matter how high you get. Yeah. Would you stand this morning? I'll ask you this morning as you search yourself. These questions I've mentioned them several times already. These altars are always open also. There's people are here to pray for you if you need it. I'll be here. Opportunity. I mentioned that how many times today? You have opportunity right now. You you have this moment. It's called opportunity. If you've got issues along the line of what's been preached this morning, if you've got those kind of issues, you have the opportunity right now to do something about it. That's right, amen. No matter who you are here. And that doing something about it is making it right with the Lord. And the first thing you have to do to make it right with the Lord is understand that if I'm going to change things, I've got to repent. Right. And you'll never get the love of God back in your heart if you don't repent. That's the first requirement. That's why I said it. So if you're here this morning, and think, let this affect you after you leave here, okay? If you don't make a response now, please, just let it affect you. Think about it. Dwell on it. Go back to the Scriptures, read it. I, I urge you to do that. Don't take what I'm saying out of my mouth. You go back and you research it. If you're here today, give me an opportunity. Now's the time rest of you be praying if anybody wants to come this morning this altar is open I'm here to pray with you it's time to get serious it's time to be sincere it's time to kick off the baggage and whatever it is that's clouding and making your relationship with God vague sometimes you can get so wound up and bound up in just life's responsibilities it'll do it to you it'll take it from you been before long you find yourself in a unspiritual state and you wonder how in the world did that happen anyone else this morning pray a prayer come pray come on Lord today God we come as we prepare to depart from this place and we lift you up and glorify you above all things you're God and you're worthy of praise you're worthy of worship you're worthy of adoration you're worthy of thanks and gratefulness God and we just appreciate you and we thank you for this opportunity that we have today that everybody in this place has the opportunity to make decision and change their direction and do what your word is calling us to do, Lord. Return to our first love and do our first works that our lampstand be not removed from his place. Oh God, what a thought. What a terrifying thought. But it doesn't shake many. Let it shake them, Lord. I pray today. We give you praise and glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. amen. And amen. Praise the Lord.